How many of you were here with me when I preached? Did I preach last Wednesday? I did, right? Who was here? Everybody? Almost everybody. If you weren't here, you should get the tape because it was awesome. Uh, And also, it's a continuation this week. Um, So I'm going to continue to talk about faith. Um, We talk about faith a lot in this house um, because we are faith people. Um, The Bible says says a lot of things about faith. Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith we understand. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says that we walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 1, 24 says it's by faith that we stand. Amen. Hebrews 10, 38 says we live by faith. 1 Timothy says for us to fight the good fight of faith. Jude 3 tells us to earnestly contend for faith. Galatians tells us that we inherit the promise through faith. Ephesians tells us that we're to use the shield of faith that will guard us against the arrows of the enemy. 1 John tells us that it's by faith that we overcome. Hebrews tells us that it's by faith that we, or, or it's by faith that we manifest the promise. First Thessalonians says that its faith will encourage us. Ephesians tells us we're saved by grace through faith. Galatians says that we're preserved by faith. John tells us that faith is the very thing that does the miraculous. And Hebrews 11 says it's faith that pleases God. How many of you know that's a pretty exhaustive list of everything that I want to be and have in my life? And the scripture tells me that I don't attain it because of I'm good. Doesn't it tell me that I obtain it because I've done all the right things? It tells me that I obtain it because I'm a person of faith. The Bible says that when he comes back, Jesus, when he comes back, he's looking for something very specific, and that thing is faith. Faith being expressed as the word of God in the heart of a believer. And not just that we know the word of God in our heads, but that we believe the word in our hearts, evidenced by the fact that our life looks like the word. You see what I'm saying? You with me? All right. So we're going to continue to talk about this because I think it's very important that we understand that as Christians, our very purpose is to be more like Jesus And we know that the Bible tells us that Jesus was the word, okay? And the Bible tells me that faith comes because I hear the word and I believe the word. And so essentially, my very existence, my very, my job description as a Christian is that I would be a person who is known for, who's lived a lifestyle of faith. That my outlook, my perspectives, my surroundings, my interests, my understandings would be that so foundational to the word. Like the Bible tells us that if I'm going to build my foundation, I want to build it on the rock, which we know is the very word of God. So everything good, hear me, everything good that we can expect to come from our life as a Christian comes because of the word. Well, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to Amy. You see what I'm saying? And so our, my very existence, my, my everyday emphasis, my continual focus, my drive, my determination is on one thing that I could today, even if it's just a step, Even if it's just a millimeter, my prayer is, Lord, let me look more like the word. Let me understand more. Let me know more. Let me believe more. Because I understand that the way that we talk about, I believe in miracles, and we've talked about the blessing of Abraham, and we've talked about the promised land, and we've talked about all of these good things, and these things in my life 
are a response to the word of God affecting and manifesting in the world that's around me. When I believe the word, the evidence that I believe the word or the evidence that I have faith is not just that I say I have faith, right? Man, I wish it was like that, right? Like, how awesome, man, how awesome would that be? How awesome would that be? If we're like, you know how you talk to those like super Christian people and they're like, oh yes, brother, I believe. You're like, do you? Do you really? Right? Well, because I understand that the way that I know that I believe is that my world looks like what I say that I believe. Because the word of God is the most powerful force on the earth. Did you know that? The Bible says that Jesus, who is the word, was given the name that's above every other name. That means the word of God has been given the power, the answer. It's been given everything that you need. When I have the word of God in me, which is the name of Jesus, which is the embodiment of Jesus, now I have in me the power, the name that has the ability to overcome every name that's around me. How many of you know that poverty is a name and sickness is a name? The Bible tells me when I, in John 15, it says it like this, that if I can get in Jesus and I can get Jesus in me, right? That is, that's my purpose, right? John was giving us a beautiful illustration as to my purpose. My existence is, Lord, I want to be in you and I want you to be in me. But it's not like the religious way. It's like, I've heard of people say this before, that, 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 that I want to get to a place where that you can't tell where God ends and I begin. I want there to be such a connection in my understanding, such a connection in the way that I think about things, the way that I talk about things. I want there to be such a connection when people look at me, they see Jesus. When they talk to me, they hear Jesus. When they step into my shadow, they're touched by Jesus. But that comes, it comes because I've done something. And that's a little bit we talked about last week is understanding that, that I don't get faith because I do things. I get faith because I do things, right? You got to get the tape. This is cryptic. And I want to talk a little bit. We're going to read a scripture in, in, where, where we're going to go tonight. Um, I guess it would kind of be part two to what, we're, what I believe the Lord is talking to us about because this is a faith life. It's a faith life. This is, I mean, our very entrance into Christianity was purchased for us by our faith, right? The Bible says that it was by grace, right? Because we can never be good enough to earn our salvation. So thank God it was by grace. It was by God's gift to us. But I access that gift, what? By faith. I have to believe, the Bible says, if I believe in my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, that I will be saved, sozo, right? Which is way beyond that, which my dad has done such a great job talking to us about. But I understand that my very entrance into this life was purchased for me, if I could use that word, because I am a person of faith. And I think sometimes what can happen is, is that we enter by faith, but then sometimes we can stop. But if I want to go deeper, how many of you want to go, how many of you don't want to just stop at knowing that Jesus is Lord? We had an encounter weekend, and I wish you could have heard my cross teaching because it was so good. 
You ever have, I don't know if you ever have this before, but if you ever preach, I'll tell you, you're going to have these moments where you're preaching and you know it's not you. You wish it was you. You know it was God. You take the credit like it was you because it feels good. But as you're talking, uh, you're just, it's like revelation that's flowing, right? And it was, I wish it was taped because I would like listen to myself. But it's, re- it's, it's remembering, but it's remembering that the cross paid the price for everything that we would want to experience in our life. It didn't just get me my right to get into heaven. Although by faith, I can get into heaven. By faith, I also access and become an heir, a recipient to all the good promises that God has laid up for me. Okay? So Hebrews 6, that's what we're going to read. You can turn there if you have your Bible. If not, I'm sure it'll pop up on the screen. Hebrews 6, 10. Well, they knew. They're prophetic. They knew we were going to 10. All right. It says this, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. It says this, And we desire that each of you should, each of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Turn to your neighbor and say, Until the end. That you do not become sluggish. Say, I'm not sluggish. But imitate those through faith and patience inherit the promise. Verse 13 says this, For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could not swear by anyone greater, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. So that after he had what? Patiently endured. He had patiently. How many of you know that if you have to say, like, that's like double long, right? Like, if you have to endure, that's one thing. But if you have to patiently endure, right? How many of that's feeling a pretty intense picture? But it says this that after he had patiently, obt- uh, 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 patiently endured, he obtained the promise. You know, I, I can remember this. I wish I had a similar story to this, but I don't. Uh, because, you know, that was Abraham and I'm Alex. Uh, but I had a similar scenario happen. Uh, I know this is hard to believe, um, but when I was younger, I was small and skinny, right? I know it's like... It's hard to believe now, right? But it's true, I was. It actually, uh, it wasn't, I think, until grade nine that I was taller than my mom, right? So I was like a little baby boy, right, for a long time. uh, And thank God that I grew. Um, But I can remember that when I was in grade six, I went to a small, like, small, like, super small Christian school, okay? Uh, To give you an idea, this school was probably like 40 people, and uh, those 40 people like encompassed grade one to grade 12, okay? So if any of you young kids have ever went to Christian schools, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and so I can remember um, going, it, go, being at this school, and when we had lunch period, everybody in the whole school had lunch period together, right? So you had kids who were in grade one, and you also had kids who were in grade 12, and when, you know, the whistle blew, we all went to lunch together. 
Now, there was something that was so coveted about being in high school, and that was the high school boys would all go kind of to the side plot of land beside the small Christian school, and they would all play football, okay? It was supposed to be touch football, but it was definitely tackle football. Um, and I was definitely the recipient of that after a while. Um, but I can remember that this was kind of what happened. The little boys, who was me, little, uh, we would play on the playground, you know, the swings and the monkey bars. And you patiently endured till the day that you went into grade nine and you went and got to go play touch football with these older kids. Um, and so I can remember that. And so I'm thinking, you know, I was fairly decent at sports, even though I was small, I was pretty good. I played hockey my whole life. And so I kind of got it. I played soccer. And so I'm thinking, you know, I could be the exception, right? I'm going to go out. And even though I'm in grade six right now, I'm going to go play with these older kids. And I can remember going. Now as a sixth grader, a small sixth grader, I'm expecting to be picked last, okay? But to me, it didn't really matter because I was kind of like Rudy, right? Like as long as I got on the field, it didn't matter to me. Uh, that's all I wanted. And I can remember everybody's going through, and I'm not getting bummed out that people aren't picking me because of the fact that, you know, I was expecting to be picked last. And then I'm standing there and I'm last getting ready to be picked by the team and all the older kids just walk away right? Like they don't even pick me. They just, it was like I was invisible. Maybe it was that they were looking and they couldn't see me because I was so short, but, but it was like I was absolutely devastated. But I can remember, you know, I think I cried because that was what I did back then. I cried all the time. My parents, it's so different now, right? Because I'm older and more mature and I figured out my emotions, right? Uh, that's actually true. My parents initially put me in hockey uh, because they were like, this guy is a pansy. Like, he cries all the time. We need him to get body checked a few times. Uh, and so, like, my dad became the coach, and he used to, like, cross-check me from behind just to, like, toughen me up. Right? That's a joke. He didn't happen. It's true. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and so I can remember in that moment, right, I remember I had a decision to make, right? I was in, facing a crisis, at least to what I thought in my six-year-old body, you know, that this was a crisis. Um, and I can remember my response in this moment was, you know, it was pretty spectacular uh, in the sense that, you know, I walked away and maybe with tears, you know, in my eyes, I can remember still to this day, there was like this inward determination that as I walked away from that field, I had this determination, I'm going to get on that field, Okay. Uh, and I can remember that I played soccer and I was pretty good at soccer. And so what I would do is, is I would get a soccer ball instead and I would just go and I would kick the soccer ball, uh, you know, against the, you know, kind of where the older kids could see me because I was kind of show off a little bit. Uh, and so I would kick the ball against the side of the school. And I can remember that one day happened uh, and they needed somebody to come and kick the football in order to get the game started, okay? Because these were official Christian school rules and you couldn't start a game without an official kickoff, okay? And now because I had chosen to be determined, not fall off and not quit, uh, they knew that, wow, this little kid, he can kick a soccer ball. And so I could remember them calling me over, right? The guy's name was Dan. I can still remember him. He was my hero, okay? He was like the oldest kid, and he was super athletic and super cool. Uh, and I remember he came over to me and said, hey, man, he was super nice. Like, God bless nice people. Uh, 
And he came over and was like, hey, man, do you want to come and kick the ball? And how many of you know, you remember being young, it was basically like he had just asked me to, you know, play on a professional sports team. I was like, yes, God, yes, absolutely. How much do you want me to pay you, right? And, and obviously, right, on the outside, you know, you kind of maintain, you know, you're, you're just trying to be cool. You're like, oh, you know, let me check what I got to do in 15 minutes right now. I think I could mit- fix it into my schedule, right? But on the inside, it was like you feel like you just got your name called and the price is right. You're like, yeah, yeah, that's me, right? Right, you're super excited. Uh, and I can remember that. And so I can remember setting up the, the ball, and this is my moment, and the clouds parted, you know, and the angels were singing the chariots of fire song. Dum, 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 dum. Right? And I can remember that this amazing spiritual moment happens. And as I run and I kick the ball and it was good, right? And I remember I played football ever since then, right? And so it's like, yay, hallelujah. Um, God bless me in my ability to kick a football. But I was laughing about this a little while ago with the Lord as, you know, I kind of reminisce on these things that God has brought me through that have created character in my life. Um, and he began, and he said this to me, I think the older you get in the Lord, the more that he is rude to you right? I think he, he's more direct, right? Because he think he knows you can take it. And I was laughing with the Lord about this, and we were just kind of like making, poking fun at those moments. And the Lord said to me, uh, you know, Alex, if you had that much determination with faith, nothing would be impossible for you. And you're like, what? Don't think I heard you right there, Lord. What'd you say? Uh. And I thought about it, and as I, you know, I began to think about this, uh, I realized something that my name, my age, whether I pitied myself or not, none of those things would have got me on the field. What got me on the field that day was my determination to just continue to show up to play. It was a beautiful picture that the Lord painted for me Um, because it really began to speak to me about this understanding of when we read in the book of Hebrews about this understanding of patience. Paul says it like this, that it's with faith and patience we will inherit the promise. And I guess where I want to start tonight for just a few moments is I want to begin to talk to us a little bit to give us an understanding of what patience is. Because I think that sometimes in our culture, I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine, and we were talking about this concept of weight. And he was saying to me, you know, do you think that we don't understand the word weight? Like we kind of talked about it a little bit last week. And I was saying, yeah, I feel like, you know, it means more like don't quit than just like stand here and wait. And he said to me, you know, well, how about the other word weight, which is like if you're going to wait tables, right? Where when God is asking us to wait on the Lord, maybe that word that we're saying is like if you're being a waiter, which means as I'm waiting on God, it could really be used as, as I serve the Lord and serve what he's doing, and that's my, how I wait on the Lord, right? And so I think that sometimes what can happen is, is that we, we think that because we understand how a word applies to one situation, I think that sometimes we can think about the fact that we understand the word in all situations, Because when we hear the word patience, 
a lot of the time it makes me feel like, well, I'm just being a patient person. So, you know, there's this line and because I'm not freaking out, pushing everybody out of the line, therefore I have patience, right? We think that like when I pray for patience, God is, I'm going to have to go through a whole bunch of challenging or tribulating circumstances where I learn how to have patience, But as I began to think about this, I realized that that's a very low-level understanding of what patience actually is. Because if you remember, when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, okay, so this is manifestations of the Spirit in our life. Most of you know that patience is one of the fruits of the Spirit, okay? And I understand that the Spirit was given to me, what, so that I could have power on this earth. So that's telling me that there is a power, there is a spiritual power that I can step into when I begin to understand and possess the power of patience. That when the Bible is telling me that if I, when I have faith and patience, it's not saying that Faith is the big thing that I need to develop. And then if you could just, you know, like sit around waiting long enough and just choose not to complain, then, but that's not what the Bible is talking to me about patience. The power of patience, as I begin to think about it, I realize the power of patience is my ability to stand firm in the midst of a situation without wavering. It's my ability to show up today, tomorrow, the next day. It's my ability to show up in good times and in bad times, in happy times and sad times, and in hard times and easy times, and how I look, how I respond, what I say, what I think remains constant. I think that's how I even step into an understanding of when we talk about Jesus, how we say he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe that what that scripture could also say is Jesus is patient. That whether you show up to him 2,000 years ago, today, or 2,000 years in the future, he's going to have remained constant. And I think that what this scripture, what Paul is telling me is, is that when I believe the word of God and I can remain constant, I can remain steadfast, I can remain fixed on that thing that I'm believing for, as those two supernatural powers collide, now I'm guaranteed to step into my promise. How many of you know that Galatians tells me that if I won't quit, that there is, there is a power that God has given to us to endure. I mean, that's one thing. If you read through the letters of the Apostle Paul, you'll constantly read about this amazing ability that he has to endure. I mean, sometimes I read through his letters and I think, like, dear God, man, like, would you just quit? Like, Seriously, this is just getting worse. But he had this, but it wasn't just that he woke up every day and hated his life and did it as some religious duty. 
It was like, if you read about him as he talks about going through things, I mean, he uses words like light momentary affliction, right? And that's not like, you know, he had to fast lunch today. That was like he'd just been whipped, shipwrecked, thrown in jail, and bit by a snake, right? And he's looking at that, responding to it, saying, it's like it's not even worth my time to be able to talk about the problem because I'm so constant. I remain so steadfast on the word that it's so transformed my mind. It's so transformed my thinking that I don't even notice that things in my life today aren't going the way I didn't want them to go. I believe that one of the main things the Apostle Paul possessed was the power of patience. He understood how to stand on a promise and not allow his situation. Because it's amazing, right? You ever, everybody's had this, where, you know, you're standing up at the altar and somebody gives you a great prophetic word. And they're like, I declare, I call an end to your struggles. And we say breakthrough. And you're like, yes, God, I believe. Right? How many know it feels very different when you're standing at the altar getting the prophetic word and the music crescendos at the perfect time and the words of the song are speaking to you exactly what your problem is. And it's this perfect moment of, how many know it's very, it's easy to respond to the word then, then on Thursday afternoon when you get the bill in the mail. How many of you know, like, you're like, where's the music, God? Yeah. You know, where's the, where's the feeling? Where's the, right? It's not, what? But of the Apostle Paul, he understood how to do something. He understood how to rejoice. He understood how to remain constant while he was getting the prophetic words. But he also understood how to maintain this attitude when the Bible says, for example, he's shipwrecked and floating at sea for a night and a day. Wow. He understands. He understands how to rejoice when he's on the island and he's getting people saved and they're like giving him all of his money. He knows how to rejoice them. But he also knows how to rejoice 15 minutes earlier when the snake jumps out of the wood and bites him on the arm. He knows how to remain constant in the ups and knows how to remain constant in the downs because he understands how to access, how to wield this power of patience. Because I have to understand it's a spiritual force that will rise up. It rises when the situations in my life aren't going the way I thought they were supposed to go. That it's, because how many of you know that we have that, right? We're talking about joy, for example. Like, the joy is great when you're happy, but nobody rejoices about joy when you're happy. Joy is a spiritual power. It's a spiritual principle that when I should be sad, when I should be down, when I should be discouraged, I thank the Lord for the oil of joy. And I, out of me, out of the spirit that's in me, flows a power not of myself, but a power to overcome the outside. Patience is the same thing. 
Patience is a spiritual force on the inside of me that arises when I'm in the in-between place of when, you know, because I get the promise here and I get the promise here, right? I get it there and I manifest it here. How many of you know there's a patiently enduring through the process here? There is a season of time when things look probably nothing like, right? Like God's like, you're going to live in this beautiful big house and you're like, dear God, I can't pay rent today, right? Through those seasons of time, that's when I call on the, the power, the spiritual power of patience. And what that spiritual power of patience does is it gives me the ability in the in-between to stand as though I'm already in the place of where God has asked me to be. That it's not that I just have to hype myself up. And I think that sometimes when we're living by faith, we could think that. You know, oh, I just gotta, I gotta hype it up. We gotta crank, we gotta crank the engine. We gotta crank that baby. Come on, we gotta crank. How many of that works like once or twice? You know, like maybe Monday or Tuesday, you're willing to, you know, crank that baby for a bit, right? But after a while, you know, you're just getting the, you know, when your battery's really dead, it's like just like, right? You know, and it's just like that. Basically, that's the message saying we ain't going nowhere, buddy, right? <laughs> I can only rely on willpower. I can only rely on the grit for so long. But what patience is, is patience isn't natural. Just like joy. Joy is not happiness. Joy is an inward force. It's an inward projection to my, my now of what my future is going to look like. And so I rejoice at the future, even though my present doesn't look this way. Patience is my ability to stand firm, believing in what's coming, even though today I'm not experiencing it. I tell you something, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit will help us in every season we're in. He's got an answer, he's got a solution to fix the problem that you're going to have even before you know you're going to have it. He's got a power for you to access before you even get the promise. And that power is patience. So as I begin to think about this and understanding this, is we have to, again, understand that patience alone, it's not going to produce anything, okay? Because if I just stand firm, uh, that's great, but I need to be standing firm on something. Okay, and I think that sometimes what can happen is, I was talking to somebody, I think me and my dad actually were talking earlier today, and we were talking about, you know, Christians sometimes, people that we used to know, uh, and you go to them, and they'd be like, they have a, a physical problem in their body, and they, you go to them, and you say, um, so what's your scripture? And they're like, oh, I don't know, but I'm believing God. Okay, so what part of God are you believing? Oh, I, I'm, I'm really not sure, but I'm believing God, right? How many of you know that standing firm on nothing isn't going to get you anywhere? Okay, right. Like, like you know, <laughs> I, I could go there for a while. It doesn't matter. And so I can't just... Uh, can, can, you understand what I'm saying? Like, we got to understand, like, my core is faith. And what God is doing is he's adding, he's saying, hey, wouldn't you add this to your faith? Wouldn't you add this? Why? Because he's trying to get us somewhere. So patience by itself isn't going to get me anywhere. 
okay? And faith by itself isn't going to last long enough in order for me to go through the difficult times, right? Because it's like what we read in Mark 4. Like, if we're leaving it up to strictly chance, you got a 75% chance of failure, right? You know what it is? You got four types of soil. One type of soil produces, three types of soil doesn't. Those are odds I don't like, right? And so what happens? I understand that I can't have patience alone, and just getting a scripture isn't enough. But when they come together, I think it was Kenneth Copeland. I think Joe was just telling me. Kenneth Copeland calls faith and patience the power twins. Gloria. That there's a a connection. There's a combination. There's something that happens when my belief in God is supercharged by my spiritual gifting to be able to endure and walk with that promise. Because we can stand, and standing is important, but we have to make sure we're standing on the word. So I'm pretty much done. Praise the Lord is right. Thank you, Debbie, for your honesty. I'm just I'm totally just kidding. That was just awesome. That was the best preaching moment I've ever had. <laughs> I'm, just I'm just kidding. I'm totally just kidding. I know that you're responding to the word. It was just the, it was such a good moment there. I don't want my prophetic word. I want that moment on tape for me, please. Um, so my, I, 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 so what I like to do is, is I feel like there's a practicality, right, to the scriptures. Um, I believe that Jesus was a very practical human being. That's why I preached in parables. And so I began to ask the question, what does it look like to develop patience? The first thing that we have to do if you want to develop patience is you have to learn how to delay gratification. I can remember my friend first, when I was at Honor Academy, my friend first introduced me to this, uh, uh, to this thought. His, his dad was very big on this idea of delayed gratification, and he began to talk to me about it. And I realized how delayed gratification is something that is not present at large in our generation. We are the fast food. We are the microwave. We are the drive-through. We are the Amazon Prime, right? We are, right? I mean, that's right. Like, glory to God that we don't have to go to store anymore. And we're making all those people go out of business, right? We have to learn how to delay gratification um, because I have to be able to fight against the need to have it now. Right? Because how many of you know faith is now? But it's like now in the God kind of way where a day is a thousand years and a thousand years is a day. Right? And so like when we say now, God's like, yes, now. And he's looking at all of eternity as though it's now, right? And so really, you know, you know. And so in order for me to understand how to live patiently, I have to understand how to, how to live my life happy even though I don't have what I want right now. See what I'm saying? I have to practice, this is, this is tough, 
This is tough. I have to intentionally practice not getting my own way. Like you want hamburgers and your wife wants ramen noodles and you go get hamburgers. <laughs> no, it's good. What I practice not getting what I want. What? Because God wants me to be without? No. God wants me to, he wants me to have it all. Every good gift, the Bible says, comes from God. I have to learn how to not get it now because I need to understand how to maintain a right, consistent attitude in faith even though I don't possess what is mine that I'm going to experience in the future. The second thing I have to do, I have to learn how to laugh it off. That's one of the things that I love about the Apostle Paul is the Apostle Paul always had an amazing perspective. And you know what I realized? I realized that in every situation, no matter how bad the situation is, there's always just as much good as there is bad. You ever notice that like no matter how bad a situation is, Chances are in the moment when you think that everything in your life is horrible, there's actually more good things happening in your life than there are bad things, right? It's true. I mean, but, but that's a, how many of you know that's a mindset? That's a perspective that I have to choose to have because it's very easy for me to respond to negative things in my life. What I have to learn how to do is I have to learn how to look at the negative situation that's in my life and choose to laugh at it. Now, not like cry laughing, right? Where you're like, <laughs> right? I'm talking about actually laughing simply because I'm choosing to see the good in this moment rather than see the bad. Number three, and this is probably the most important thing to develop when we're talking about understanding patience, is I have to, in every situation of my life, I have to choose to take one more step. You know what I realized? Sometimes I, I have to focus on just getting through the day. But you know what I realized? that if every single day I just focus on getting through the day, eventually the day is going to come where I experience the promise. I think that sometimes we can like forecast all the problems that we're going to have, right? We call that worrying, right? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like you get something negative happen to you and your brain starts spinning, worrying about all the things that might happen to you three weeks from now in response to the thing that just happened to you today. But I know the scripture, it tells me that, what does the scripture say? What? Focus on today. You got enough problems today. <laughs> like, listen, buddy, like just make it through today. 
And I think that what I have to understand is, is that sometimes the thing that makes me quit isn't that I can't get through today. It's that I'm thinking about all the problems that I might have in the future or how difficult things are going to be because of something that happened. It said, wait a minute, let me focus. Let me focus on getting through today. And you know what I realize? I could have the toughest day, right? And then it's like, I finally like crawl into my bed. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then it's like, you sit in bed and you're thinking, by golly, I made it here. My bill didn't kill me. I did it. Right? And I think that sometimes it's realizing that. It's, it, sometimes I do that. I'll focus on like, just get to bed tonight. That's it. Like, just, you're going to make it, and you're going to get in your bed, and you're going to, like, do the kick thing under the covers because you're so happy to be there that you've made it, and you're going to feel so good, and it's going to happen. Just focus on getting to your bed. Why? Because the Bible says that his mercy is new every morning. And so what? I just got to focus getting past today because tomorrow God is going to give me everything that I need in order to accomplish everything I go through tomorrow. And then tomorrow I'm going to focus on getting to bed and then the next day I'm going to wake up and his mercy is going to be new every day that I continue to wake up. And what happens? I choose, I'm just going to keep taking one more step and one more step and one more. Yeah, I know it looks bad. Yeah, I understand that everything in your life looks as though your promise isn't coming, but just choose to take one more step. Just choose to stay focused. Just choose to stay focused on getting to bed at night. And what the Bible says, what? With faith and patience, we'll inherit the promise. 